Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Welcome to the Least of These Podcasts. We reach out to those the world has forgotten. If you'd like to know more about us and how you can donate to help us fulfill our mission, go to hisloveministries.net. Thank you very much and God bless you. So John wrote the book that we might know that we have eternal life. There's, Christianity is not a hope so a, no, a hope so faith, but it's a no so faith, right? The Bible says whoever believes has everlasting life. If you believe in Him, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But whoever believes in Him has everlasting life. And so John gives us these three tests. He he talks about that which was from the beginning. The things which they'd heard and seen and touched and handled, the things that Jesus said. The Bible says in many ways and many times past that, that God spoke through the prophets and many other ways, but in these last days he spoke to us through Jesus, his son. And so we see that John says if it's something new, it ain't true. It might be about other things, but about the Bible, if it's new, it's not true. If we hadn't discovered it in all the thousands of years that it's been there, it's just not there. And all these false teachers were trying to say Jesus was a phantom or he was a, couldn't have been God on the cross because God couldn't suffer and that, that flesh was evil and spirit was good. And so when you look at that, then they said it was all right to do whatever you wanted to do. You can live any way you want to. If it feels good, do, do it basically. And so we saw that he gives us all these tests. He gives us a test of love. He gives us the test of obedience. He gives us the test of, of what we believe. He started out with, with, with the people that say we say, and they're not true believers because they don't walk in the light. And so he says, some of them say, sin, what's that? Or I've never sinned, or, or I, I used to do that, but I don't do it anymore. And then he talks about the test of obedience. Those that, that say they know Christ, but they don't do. And those are not true believers. And then he talks about loving the brethren, the brothers and the sisters. And he says, those that know Christ love other Christians, right? And then he goes on to talk about this growth. He says that true believers grow in Christ. That there's little children, there's, there's young men who are beginning to win the Christian battle and He's talking about men and women, and then, and then he's talking about spiritual fathers, those who are mature in Christ, who know God intimately and know him, and they're winning the battles, and they're living for Christ, and, 
and helping other people to grow. And then he talked about loving the world. And if you're a believer, you don't love the world like, the, like people do. Because the things of the world are passing away. But whoever's a Christian and does the will of God remains forever. And then the last time we were here, we talked about the Antichrist and how there was going to be a one world religion and a leader and a, everybody's supposed to worship him and take the 666. And then there's also these little Antichrists, these people who are against Christ. And they've been in existence ever since Christ has been around, right? They put him on the cross. And so he talks about that anointing we have that if we're believers, we have a built-in lie detector that, that we can hear the truth and we can know that it's the truth because the Spirit of God is in our lives. But when people speak that which is false, something inside of us like that, well, I told you the story about the Indian guy and he was listening to the false preacher and everything in him, every time the guy preached, he said the whole time he was preaching, all I could hear was liar, liar, liar. And I told you that when I listen to people like that, the hair stands up on the back of my neck and I just can't listen to them. And so he talks about these people that try to deceive us. And those are not true believers. They leave the church, they don't believe the truth, and then they try to deceive other people. And then we looked at chapter 3 and then we talked about that everyone that's born of him practices righteousness about the love that God has given us and how magnificent and wonderful it is and that we're going to be like him. When we see him, we'll be like him as much as a Christian could be like him. So let's look at verses chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. So he says, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are made manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And then he also says, nor is he who does not love his brother. We'll talk about that next time. And so there's four reasons today why we want to talk about why Christians cannot habitually practice sin. The first one is we cannot because it's incompatible with the law of God which we love. And so the first thing we want to see here is he says whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And so he says and sin is lawlessness. The Bible talks about this and he says here that this lawlessness it's uh, they don't do it as much now, but their laws originally were built on what? The Ten Commandments, right? They were built on the Ten Commandments, and, and at least ours were anyway in the United States and probably a lot of civilized countries. Sometimes out in the deep, dark jungles, they had their own laws, and a lot of them, a lot of times, mimic the Ten Commandments, but sometimes they have other laws and rules that are totally uh, pagan because that's the way they're living. But he says here 
that whoever commits sins also commits lawlessness and sin is lawlessness. In other words, when we break the law of God, we're sinning against God, right? And he talks really, goes all the way back to the Old Testament where God gave the Ten Commandments and then he gave all these other rules and regulations and some of them still apply today and some of them don't. Now, most of them do apply, but there's some of them the, the moral, law, moral law always applies. Don't, don't commit adultery, don't honor your father and mother and keep the, keep the Sabbath and all those things. All those things still apply. It was the things where they killed the animals and all that. That was all fulfilled in Jesus, right? Jesus is our Passover. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And so he says here, this sin, this lawlessness is really a spirit of rebellion that's in the heart. See, in the Old Testament, a lot of times, and in the New Testament, remember the Pharisees, they were keeping all these commandments, right? They had, they had taken all the commandments in the Old Testament, and they had added to them, and they came up with like 600-some commandments. And they had written so many rules and so many regulations that they couldn't even figure out what they were supposed to be doing. But they, one guy said he studied one little old chapter for about two years and he still didn't know what it said. But the bottom line is, is, is the heart of the scripture, the heart of the law, the Bible always was what was in here. It was never about just what we did on the outside, but it's always been about what was in here, right? It's like the story of the little girl that she was in the back seat back in the day before they had all these child, uh, these, these seats for kids and all, and, and uh, baby seats and everything else. And when we were growing up, we had a seat belt. It was an arm, right? <laughs> it was, they put the arm out, and that was the only way you got stopped. And uh, if that didn't hold you, you were just in trouble. But see, the bottom line is this little girl, she was standing up in the back seat, and her daddy said, sit down and put your seat belt on. And she looked at him and shook her head no. And he said, put your seatbelt on. And she kept, he kept on and she kept shaking her head. And he says, all right, I'm going to tell you one more time. If you don't sit down and put your seatbelt on, I'm going to pull the car off the side of the road and I'm going to get my belt out and I'm going to give you a whipping. She sat down, put her seatbelt on a few, in a minute or so. She looked up at her daddy. She said, daddy, I'm sitting down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm standing up. You know? And that's, that's, the, that's the spirit of lawlessness, that, that when it's that spirit that's in here, right? You know, people that don't know the Lord, they, they do what? They say, you can't tell me what to do. You know, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to do whatever I want to do, and I'm, I, I'm not going to let the Bible or whatever stop me from having fun. Well, you know, if they understood it, really, they'd understand that they could have way more fun following the Lord than they could ever do going out there and have, doing all that sin because that sin always has consequences that come with it. There's that spirit of rebellion, but the Bible says in uh, Psalm 119, I think it is 165, verse 165, it says, those that love you love thy law, right? And, and if we're true Christians, we love God's law. We love his word. He says somewhere in 1 John, he talks about that we keep his word and his word and his commandments are not burdensome, right? We don't keep his, we don't keep his commandments because we have to, but we keep them because we want to. Because we love God and we love him, we have a new nature, right? 
And so we cannot practice sin because it's incompatible with the law that we love. Think about that. He says that sin is lawlessness. And then the second reason in verses 5 through 7 is, is because Christians cannot practice sin because it's incompatible with the reason Jesus came. Why did Jesus come? To take away our sins, right? He came to die in our place, to die for our sins. He came that we could have life and life abundantly. Now, we still sin, but we don't, if we're Christians, we're not supposed to live in sin. And some people do, and the Bible says some are weak and some are sick, and, and uh, some have died because God took them home because they're his children. And they wouldn't obey, and so he took them all home. Isn't that what you do with your kids sometime? Or maybe mom or daddy did that to you when you were a little boy or a little girl, and, and you sitting out there and you kept disobeying daddy, and you say, if, I do, if you do that one more time, I'm going to take you home, and you're not going to get to have any more fun. And that's what God does sometimes. He says, you're not listening to me. If you keep on, I'm going to take you home. And he takes us up to heaven. And he says, you're done on earth. And you lose all the rewards and all the things God wanted to do in your life. And so he says here, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in him, there is no sin. So Jesus is sinless. And, and he came to do what? To take away our sin, Right? The Bible says that when he came, he gave us the power to live for Christ. He says, whoever abides or remains in him does not sin, and whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. And so basically what he's saying here is whoever abides in him does not sin, and whoever sins has neither seen him or known him. Now when, when John's talking about sin in here, He's not saying that we can't sin and be a Christian because think what Paul said in Romans chapter 7 verse 20. He said the things, or early in the chapter, he said the things I want to do, I don't do, right? And the things I don't want to do, I do those who shall deliver me from this body of death. It wasn't that Paul wasn't a great Christian, but Paul had been a Christian probably for 30 years or longer when he wrote that. But what he said is, that I'm in this body of flesh and the Bible talks about this body of flesh it still has those old desires those old want-tos and sometimes we still sin we get aggravated we fall into places where we are bitter or angry or mad or sad or whatever it is we can get into these places and that's why Hebrews says be careful lest you drift you know you're riding down the road in the car and you take you off the, car, off the road for a minute, and they say, you know, you're in the ditch, you're just about in the ditch, or run into somebody, right? And it's the same thing with the Christian life. We keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, and when we do, it helps us to live the Christian life because we're trusting in him and following him. But when we take our eyes off of him and get our eyes on the world, and we start slipping and sliding, next thing you know, we might be in the ditch. That's what James talks about, that sin... Nobody's, let nobody say when he's tempted, he's tempted by God because God doesn't tempt us. But each one is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. All of us got little areas in our life where we're susceptible to sin. We call them besetting sins. And we can fall prey to those. And the old devil, he knows where we're weak and he comes knocking on that door all the time trying to get us to sin, doesn't he? 
And when he comes along, he knows right where to hit us. He knows when to hit us and how to hit us. And you know what? He knows just the right time to do it too. So he does it. And sometimes we fall prey and we fall in that hole, you know, and we, we mess up and then we have to go back to God and confess our sins. If we weren't supposed to ever sin, John would not have wrote in chapter 1, verse 9. And if we sin, he said, I write these things that you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, right? And then he wrote, he wrote in verse 9, that if we confess our sins, he's faithful just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So John knew we were going to sin. The Bible knows we were, you know, God knew we were going to sin when he died on the cross, right? But he died for us anyway. Because we're just human and we live in a human body. That's not a license to sin. And some people say, well, I'm going to heaven. That's what we were talking about in chapter 1. The people and some of these people he's talking about in chapter 3, these people say they're going to heaven. But they think they got a license to sin. They can live any way they want to and still get to heaven. And that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you're really a Christian, it does matter how you live. You know, some people have taken this once saved, always saved, and take it to mean that you can live any way you want to. But the Bible says once saved, always saved. If you're saved, you can never lose your salvation. But it does matter how you live. Because if you're not a real Christian... You're not going to show the evidence. And that's what he's talking about right here. That real Christians show the evidence in their life by their obedience and the way they live and the what things they do. And he says here, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. So basically what he's saying is these false teachers are coming in and saying the flesh is evil. It doesn't matter how you live. You're a Christian now. You can... Jesus is going to forgive you. You can just sin any way you want to and then get to heaven one day. He'll forgive you. You know, that's a dangerous place to be. I remember a girl one time, she wanted to divorce her husband and, and her husband and her, you know, they were really good friends with us, with me and my wife. And, and the girl came to me and said, well, you know, I've been talking to this other minister and this other minister was way out in left field. But he, he, she comes and says, well, he, he basically that, you know, I can divorce my husband and be with this other guy and God will forgive me. I said, boy, you're in a dangerous place, woman. I said, you don't presume upon God like that. You don't presume that God's going to forgive you just because you think he's going to. He may not. You may not be a Christian, and that may be the proof that you're not a Christian. And so she, he says here that the people who continue to live habitually in sin are not real Christian. And then what it says in different places, it says neither fornicators nor adulterers nor drunkards nor homosexuals nor effeminate nor liars nor all these things. And he gives this whole list of things. And he says, and, and, and whoever practices these things will not enter the kingdom of heaven because heaven will not have these people in there. But he says, and such were some of you. You know, he's talking about these people, the Corinthians, and he says, you used to be these people, but now you're not these people. That's what your life used to be, but now God's changed you. You have a new want to, right? Before you're a Christian, you, you want to do whatever you want to do. And as a Christian, you, you want to do what God wants you to do because you love him, right? And so he says here, whoever 
practices these things, practices righteousness as righteous. And then he goes on and gives us the third reason why is because Jesus came to destroy sin. That Christians cannot practice sin because it's incompatible with them for the reason that Christ came. And he says here, he who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was made evident or manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. That doesn't mean that literally that he's destroyed completely all sin. But what it means is he's rendered inoperative in our life. That sin. In other words, before we were Christians, what did we do? We couldn't help ourselves with sin, right? We just did it because that's what comes naturally. But once we become Christians, God gives us that want to, that desire, and that power and that ability to live for him, right? What does Romans 6 say? Reckon yourselves dead to sin and alive to God. Consider yourself as righteous. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. But when we become Christians, that new life in us says, you know what? I want to do what's right. I've got to do what's right because that's what God's put inside of here, right? And so he says here that whoever has been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he has been born of him. So he says here, who's ever been born of God does not sin. And he's still talking about this practice of sin, right? This continually living in sin. We've talked about that before. It's, people say you can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk, right? And if you're a Christian, you can live godly. But those who are not Christians, they have no want to, no desire, no ability to live for God. And so he tells us here that, that the one who has been born of God does not practice and live in sin habitually for his seed remains in him. In other words, God's Holy Spirit is in us. We've been talking about that. He said in John 16, all the way from chapter 14 to 16, that when he leaves, he would send the Holy Spirit who will be with us and in us. And that Holy Spirit would teach us all things and help us. And he would also help us to live the Christian life because he gives us the power to do what's right. One man said, when I try, I fail. But when I trust, I put my trust in God and trust him to keep me and protect me and keep me doing what's right. Then I do what's right because I'm trusting in God and his strength and his power, right? Paul said, I, can do, I, I can't do anything on my own, but I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me, right? But you can't do it on your own. And so the devil's still operating in this world and he's ultimately been defeated. He's a defeated enemy. But until Christ comes again, we talked about that, and the devil's thrown into the lake of fire and, and uh, chained up, and he's going to be chained for a thousand years, and then he's going to be turned loose again, and then, and then he's going to be thrown in the lake of fire. And those people, after that thousands of years, and they've been right in the presence of God, what's going to happen? They're going to be worship, They're going to be on that earth, and, they're, and as soon as the devil's turned loose, they're going to... They're going to be worshiping the devil and trying to kill God and everything else. Somebody said, why did God let the devil loose the 
the second time. He said, I don't know. Why didn't he turn him loose the first time? You know, it was because he wanted us to have a choice whether we were going to serve him or serve God, right? We've got a choice. Who are we going to serve? We want to serve the Lord because that's what he's done in our life, right? And so he says his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. When we know the Lord, it just, when we sin, it makes us hurt inside here. It makes us sad. It makes us hurt. It makes us feel bad. And we want to get right with God. It's like when you, you, you do something to your best friend, right? Or you, somebody in your family or somebody in you. And there's this fight or this something between y'all. What do you want to do? You want to get it right. And it's the same way with God, but way more so because he's God and he lives in us. And we want to get right with him again. And then he says the last reason is because it's incompatible with the ministry of the Holy Spirit who's been in our life. And he says, in this, the children of God and the children of the devil, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. And we'll stop there. So think about this, that God has put his spirit in us and he loves us and he cares for us. And it's that Holy Spirit that lives inside of us that helps us live the Christian life. Think about Peter. Y'all remember Peter and all the apostles, what happened before Jesus died on the cross and they, they came to get him. They all ran, they all went, they went to hiding, right? But what happens after Jesus is raised from the grave? All of a sudden they got this holy boldness, right? And in Acts chapter Four, I think it is, Peter says, you wicked people who crucified the Holy One of God. And he tells them there's salvation in no other name but in Christ, right? All the apostles died except for John who wrote this book in the book of John. And they, they all died as martyrs. They were killed for their faith, right? But, when they, but before God sent the Holy Spirit after Jesus went to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit back down. They were scared of the shadows, right? They were scared. I mean, Peter was scared of this little old servant girl, right? Two times. I don't know if it's the same servant girl or what, but she speaks to him and somebody else speaks to him and he denies Christ and he basically puts a curse on himself and says, I don't know him. I swear I don't know him. I swear I don't know him. I swear I don't know him. He said, yeah, you were with him. No, no, no. And, and they all ran and none of them were near the cross. And it was just the women that looked on from afar and all the men ran away because they were afraid. But after Jesus went to heaven and that Holy Spirit came down, they were bold. And that's what gives us the power to live for Christ is that Holy Spirit power because it's the power of God, right? And the salvation is the power of God that gives us the ability to live for Christ, to talk for Christ, to do the things that Christ wants us to do. Because before Christ, the Bible says we're not complete. We don't have the Holy Spirit. And that's why people are always looking for something to fill up their lives. As somebody said, they're looking for love in all the wrong places, as the old song says, right? But you know, the bottom line is, is when we get Christ, he's the bread of life, the, the living water, and he comes in and he fills up that God-shaped vacuum, and we're complete, and then we can live for him because we don't have all those desires like we used to. 
that emptiness inside that makes us look for things that are not pleasing to God. And that's what's great about being a Christian is true freedom's not doing whatever you want to do. True freedom is living for Christ. Jesus said, John, Jesus, well, God said through John in the book of John, he said, if you abide in me, remain in me, and my words remain in you, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Freedom is living for God and doing what's right. Freedom is living for him and being all that God wants us to be. That's true freedom. Well, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. And we thank you that all these things are true if we're Christians, Lord. And we ask today, if there's even one here that doesn't know you today, they just cry out, say, oh, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. Save me. Because they believe that Jesus is God and he's died in their place and he's died for their sin and there's nothing they can do to earn it, to deserve it, to pay for it. But as the old song says, Jesus paid it all. That's what the Bible says. And that's what Jesus said when he died on the cross right before he died. He said, it is finished. Lord, for the rest of us, let us be thankful for who you are and what you've done in our lives and that we can live for you glorify you, honor you, and show the world our good works and that they may glorify you. You said, let our light so shine that they may see our good works and glorify you in heaven. Let us do that today and every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless y'all. Some of what John says is really tough, but it's good stuff. And we all need to hear it. Hi, I'm Marty McKenzie with His Love Ministries. Please help us reach out to those the world has forgotten. Everyone we minister to is locked up in some way, shape, or form. Those in the nursing home facilities are locked up in bodies that do not work in a wheelchair or in a bed. We minister to children and youth who are locked up because of behavioral problems. Some have told us we want to have a real family because their parents have lost or given up custody of them. Other kids are locked up because they've committed crimes. We also minister to those locked up at the jails and the prisons, to those locked up in addictions, to drugs, alcohol, depression, and suicidal thoughts, to those locked up in a variety of other things that keep them from becoming who Jesus wants them to be. He came to give us abundant life, joy, and set us free, and these people that we minister to are not free. Our desire is to show them whatever their background, no matter what they've done, to see how much God loves them. We seek to help them receive forgiveness and freedom from their sin in Jesus Christ. We minister in the local area of Savannah, Georgia, and surrounding Effingham and Chatham area. We have recently expanded our ministry to the Lexington and Columbia, South Carolina area. We do over 2,000 services every year. We hope and pray that you will support us in some way that so we can continue our mission. Go to hisloveministries.net and click on the Donate Now button or send it via regular mail to Post Office Box 1881, Lexington, South Carolina, 29071. We hope and pray that you will do that. Thank you and God bless you. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. John 832.